turn to Revelations chapter 8. Revelations chapter 8. talk about the first four trumpets and the blowing of the first four trumpets. It says there in verse 6, And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Remember the trumpets give warnings. Warnings. When they open the vials and pour out the vials and pour out the bowls, that's when the wrath is poured out. These are warnings. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of trees and it was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. And the second angel sounded, as it were, <coughs> a great mountain burning with fire cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood and the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of rivers and upon the fountains of water. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters, because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. And I beheld and heard as an angel flying through the mist of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by the reason of the other voices of the trumpets and of the three angels which are yet to sound. You remember we saw those seven angels and they was all given trumpets. Then another angel came and he had a censer in his hand, offered the prayers with much incense to go up with the prayers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But God is so gracious so gracious in wrath he remembers mercy in wrath he remembers mercy the trumpets are warnings providences of God sent to warn to turn men from their wickedness to turn men from their wicked ways turn men from their worldliness and religious men especially let me show you what he says in Isaiah you keep this and look in Isaiah 45 in Isaiah 45. God's ways are not our ways. And remember, these are just pictures. These are symbols. These are pictures. These are symbols. But look here in Isaiah 45 and verse 7. That the providence of God, He uses these trumpets to warn men. Turn them. My grandson had a trumpet sent to him. Saturday morning. Whether you'll hear it or not, that's another story. That's another story. God's providence sent a warning. Sent a warning. And it's a mercy that God sends a warning to anybody. 
There's a bunch of reprobates on this earth that they'll never hear from God in no way, shape, form, or fashion until they get to hell and they won't be upset because they're there. Hell don't change a person's nature. And here he says this in Isaiah 45 and verse 7. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Draw up down ye heavens from above. Let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open up and let them bring forth salvation. And let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Let the potsherds strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashionest, What makest thou, or thy hand, or thy work? He hath no hands. So God tells us here that what he does, everything that happens in this world, he creates it. And he says, listen, I bring righteousness and I send righteousness from heaven. But he said, I'll tell you one thing you do when I send it down. I want you to understand this. Don't you dare strive with me. You're nothing but a potter. I'm the potter. Don't you argue with me. Don't you debate with me. And don't you question me. Don't even think about questioning me. And men do it every day. Every single day. And yet God sends these wonderful, wonderful trumpets to warn people. Paul was a wicked man. Always a murderous man. And God struck him down on the Damascus Road. Mary Magdalene. Oh, you know how wicked Mary Magdalene was? She was a woman who had seven devils. She was a mean woman. A hateful woman. Wicked woman. And yet, from then on, you see the Lord Jesus Christ, she's at His feet. He sends these providences. He sends these words. He sends these things out. And the Lord sounds the alarm of His judgment before He sends them. He sounds alarm before He sends the judgment. And how does He do it? Well, He does it by His written word. There's hardly you where you gonna go on the earth where you can't find a Bible. Bibles are all over the world. And he does it by his written word, he does it by preachers. He does it by a man's own conscience. A man's own conscience will tell him what he's doing, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. Now he may override his conscience, and he may have his conscience seared, but he's been touched by his conscience. And then God uses the signs of the time. Now, you know, I'm not much about signs of the times, but I do know this. I do know this, that God said, when you see all these things come to pass, He said, you'll hear, see wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, and in the days of Noah, as in the days of Lot. And if we're not in those days, where in the world we at? And we see the signs of the times all around us. We see it all around us. huh? I tell you, if people are surprised, when God comes upon them, it's their own fault. You know, I was, our Lord told the story about the ten virgins. And he says that the watchmen came, the Lord came, called them. Five of them jumped up and their lamps were burning. They was ready to go. They had, they was, they had, their lamps were trimmed, their lamps were full of oil. And those five woke up and said, oh, listen, Give us of your oil. Give us of your oil. We ain't got no oil. 
And our Lord said, that's the way it is at the end of time. There'll be five wise and five foolish. They both got woke up. But one, five of them didn't have a clue what was going on. Five of them was waiting for the Lord to come. And so that's what he does. He sends these warnings. And he uses his word and all these things to teach us these things. And when God manifests his anger, he destroys men's comforts. He makes men's life bitter. He makes life burdensome to them. And I'm thankful that he doesn't stir up all his wrath, because if he did, who would ever be able to stand? Because he sets bounds to his judgments. When we see corruption, we're in the church. When we see corruption in the church, men lying on God, magnifying man's free will, Church out home says, you know, cross training inside. Training for the cross inside. Shirley and I was talking about it. We went by a place here to go by it every day. And they got them a big statue out behind there. Idols sitting on in church parking lots, in church properties. That's the judgment of God on people. If God would listen, if it wasn't for God and His grace making us to differ, we'd all be wearing crosses and we'd all have a statue in our front yard and we would have a statue of Mary or a crucifix on our dash. God's the only one made us to differ. Huh? And I tell you what, when you see corruption in doctrine, oh, corruption in doctrine, when men change the doctrine of God into the doctrine of devils, when they turn the truth of God into a lie, and you see corruption in worship, and you see corruption in politics, and I tell you, as long as I've been alive, there's always been corruption in politics. And I tell you something that I haven't done it. It's been months since I've watched the news, cause I just get too upset. I'll talk to the television. I'll talk to the politicians. I'll talk, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be so upset when I come here and I'm upset. They upset you. So I listen. We got enough things to trouble us in this world without just subjecting ourselves to it. If a politician's talk, talking, mute the television. Just mute it. He ain't gonna say nothing worth listening to anyway. Oh, he's going to tell you what he's going to do and then he's going to do the opposite. And then when you see politics and the corruption in politics and oh, how corrupt it is. Take, take, take everything from people and give it to people who ain't got nothing. That's corrupt. You can't get more corrupt than that. And oh, you see corruption in businesses. And I tell you, when you see this, you'll soon see judgment and the judgments of God, you think you see some now, you wait to one of these days when it really gets dead serious and God gets serious about this work. And I'll tell you, this is the fact, and I, and I, I don't this all say about it, but I believe God's hands against this country in a great, great, great way. You get what you deserve. And when people are corrupt, they're going to get corrupt politicians. When people want handouts, they're going to get people to Give them something what they want. You want something for nothing. He'll give you something for nothing. 
Or say, thank you giving you something for nothing. But I'll tell you, this world, God's done got His hand against this country. And it's sad. It, it troubles me. It bothers me. I remember, and you do too, you remember when you was growing up, life was so simple. Oh, it's so simple. Go out and play out till 10 o'clock at night. And nobody bother you. Y'all go home. Nothing. But now I'll tell you what, you take you gotta I remember that. I used to make fun of people going out with their kids on a on a on a leash, you know, had a harness on them and had a leash on them. Listen, if I had little bitty kids and took them to Walmart, took them to Disney World or anywhere else, I'd have a leash on them. You know why? Because there's some perverts somewhere wanting to get their hands on them. Why? Because God set his hand against this country. He's turned it loose. He's turned it loose. Well, enough of that. Let me deal with this first trumpet. This first trumpet. Now remember, these trumpets are just warnings. And the first angel sounded. And there followed hell. Verse 7. Hell and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of trees was burnt up. And all green grass was burned up. You know, when, when he blows, God's judgment starts from the Lord. There's this warning. And he sees a great storm. A great storm. We've all seen great storms and all kinds of hell fall from the sky. We had risen a hell storm one time. Beat the windows out of a car. Beat the windows out of a car. But there's a storm. Here's a gray storm. And God says, and now listen, God gives these, these trumpets to these, these angels. And he causes this hail. And he causes this great fire to fall from heaven. And that great storm, and it's mixed with blood. And what he's doing, he's showing us the destructive power. Destructive power that God can cause in just, in, in a moment, in a, in, in a tornado, in a typhoon, in a hurricane, in anywhere in the world that he can cause a great destructive power. Hell beats down things. Fire burns up things. Blood represents death. Now let me show you why something happened here in Exodus 9. Exodus 9. Now these are not literal you know, God God deals with the earth and He has ways of dealing with the earth. Look in Exodus 9 and verse 22. And I tell you, this affects just the third part of the trees and the green grass and the fields. They all burn up. Look what He said in verse 22. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven that there may be held in all the land of Egypt, upon man, upon beast, and upon every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder, and hail, and fire. That fire is lightning. Same thing as lightning. He sent fire, ran along upon the ground. And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail, and fire mingled with the hail. Very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt. 
<clears throat> since it became a nation. And the Lord smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, man and beast, and the hail smote every herb of the field and broke every tree in the field. And this is just God showing us. And now these things don't happen all at once. As long as there's been time, there's going to be these kind of storms. And God says that He sends these storms. God sends them and, and He uses them to scare men and trouble men and cause men to seek Him, but they generally don't. And it just affects parts of the trees, parts of the grass, parts of the field, and they're burned up by this lightning. And remember now, at the times of this John was writing this, the church, God's people, were in great, great, great persecution. Oh, they were all being persecuted. John was already exiled. And these, these first trumpets is probably the time from the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ to second. They're going to, you know, this don't just happen. This happens over time. This don't just, this ain't going to be one time event. That's why people think that God's going to do this at one time and then in a little way a while He's going to do something else. But these things happen continually over and over and over. And so I tell you what, He can destroy something just that quick. huh? And I tell you what, our Lord reigns in heaven and He said He cast it. He cast it. They cast it upon the earth. And I tell you what, He uses these things and disasters and calamities to warn men. And whatever they are, whatever comes in this world, God's the one sends them. They come from the Lord in heaven. Ain't that right? Yeah. Comes from the Lord in heaven. And that's why, <laughs> that's why, you know, I'm, I'm thankful I know Him. I'm thankful I know Him. And here's the thing about it. Here's the thing about it. That we already know the Lord. So He's not sending it to warn us. If we get our things beat up with hail and lightning strikes and kill some trees and you know, I've had lightning strike and kill trees and just blow out everything. Had lightning strike my TV and shoom, went all the way across the room. So these things happen to believers. But we, we don't need to be warned. But he uses these things to stir up other people, to make them afraid, to make them understand that you, you ain't got control over hell. You ain't got control over the heavens. You ain't got control over a tornado. You ain't got control over lightning. God has that control. And you better hope that he don't send a lightning strike to some of your loved ones. And, I, and you know, and he could do that. He could do that. And here's the second trumpet now. Verse 8. And the second angel, as it Sounded. He blowed his trumpet as it were a great mountain burning with fire. It was cast into the sea and the third part of the sea became blood and the third part of the creatures which were in the sea had life, died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. Now I want you to see how this is progressed to the earth, then it goes to the sea, then it goes to the rivers and the waters, and then it goes to the heavens. God's showing you He controls it all. He deals from the heavens to the earth, everything in between. And so when this second trumpet blows, He sees like a great, big, huge mountain. And that mountain's on fire. Now what would make a mountain be on fire? 
Volcano, of course, cause a mountain to be on fire. A fire coming up out of them things. And I tell you, he caused these great earthquakes to come, caused these mountains to come on fire. And I tell you what, here he comes, he sees this mountain on fire, and this angel takes this mountain and he cast it down into the sea. Cast it into the sea. And God uses different instruments. He used hell and fire the first time. Now he's going to use a mountain. He uses different things in different places. But I do know this, that all he uses pleases in times and his warnings are in his hands. In his hands. And when you talk about a mountain, the symbol of a mountain being cast into the sea shows the greatness and the power and the majesty of God Almighty that can take a mountain and throw it down. Throw it down. Huh? And I tell you, He uses these things to afflict the wicked. I, I don't know how many of you have ever read John Newton's biography. It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Not very long. No, don't take long. But John Newton was a captain on a ship. He was a... And that boy got out, caught out in a storm one time. Talk about being in the sea. And he almost lost his leg. He had something hold of his leg and it was dragging him around out in the ocean. He, somebody pulled him back in there. But no wonder he wrote the song Amazing Grace. He was the beta slave of a bunch of Africans and they put a collar around his neck and chained him up and made him eat out of bones like a dog would do. And the Lord saved him from that. And then that Titanic. You talking about trouble in the sea? Unsinkable ship. There's no way you can sink this ship, they said. Well, it sunk. And when the word went out that it sunk, people was looking at one list. Saved, lost. Look at the list. Which one saved? Is my, is my family's name on that list? Or is it on this other list? God's the only one knows that. And I tell you what, that mountain, you remember just this, this last week, a storm got off of Florida. Remember that? A boat turned over down there in Florida and I think it killed eight or nine people right off the bat. They saved eight. And then, you know, that's what I'm telling you. God can do... Listen, they, they got up that day to get on that boat and go sailing and they didn't have a clue what God's going to do that day. And, and this is what people just despise and they can't hardly stand it to tell them that God's the author of these things. That God's the author of these things. How the world's got us scared to death over having a virus. Listen, God Almighty can cure you 10,000 ways. <laughs> Katie. Oh, Scott said he'd choke you to death on your own spit. Drown you in a teaspoon of water. And I tell you, they don't want to, people don't want to acknowledge God to have that kind of power. That kind of authority. But I'm thankful that I know Him. I don't care if He throws every mountain down. That don't make any difference to me. I'm God. He's God and He's got His hand on me. Turn down the mountains. Huh? In fact, the Scripture says that they're going to cry for the mountains and hills to fall on to hide them from the wrath of the, from the, wrath of the Lamb of God. Huh? Look with me. I'm going to show you a couple of things about these mountains. Look over in Psalm 46. Psalm 46. 
<laughs> oh my. The mountain symbolizes great, great trouble. Great commotion. Oh. And look what he says here. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed. Now listen to this. Though the mountains be carried into the midst of the seas. <laughs> We're not going to be afraid. <laughs> oh, oh my. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled. Though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Look in Isaiah 54. Look in Isaiah 54. blessing. What a blessing. 54 and 10. Look in Isaiah 54 and verse 10. This is what the Lord says now. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed. That's going to happen. Mountains shall depart and the hills be removed but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. Oh, these judgments come, but they're not for us. They're for somebody else. And I'll tell you that third part, the third part of the sea died, and all creatures in them died. And I'll tell you that one third part that dies, that becomes blood signifying death. One third of the living creatures in the sea die. Third of ships destroyed, passengers and crews are gone. And you know, like I said, these are not one-time events. They happen all the time, all the time, over and over and over. And all these things God uses. And then look what the third angel does. Verse 10. And the third angels, third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven burning as it were a lamp. Everybody's seen a lamp that burns, you know, got fire in it, like a torch, like a torch. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers. Now we done dealt with the earth, we dealt with the sea, now we're going to go deal with the rivers. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the stars called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. You know, that's like I told you, the first deals with the earth, vegetation. Second with the seas, now the waters of the world. He's just this huge star. Great, great star. And it's burning, just like a big torch going. And that sees this thing out of heaven. And what in the world could produce greater terror than this? Because it comes from heaven. It says it comes out of heaven. And you see this, that it falls upon the third part of the, of the rivers and the fountains and places where the water starts. But you look at all the floods. Look at all the floods. You know up there at, uh, where Tom Harding's at, they had a flood. And I don't know how many times they had to clean their house out. 
They just got it cleaned out and then the, then the flood come in there and got all the way up to the floor in the sanctuary. And they had to move and build a new building and build a new house because it just it was just happened all the time. And all the contamination that comes from all these floods and the diseases that come from foul water. You know how much foul water is in this world? And the name of this star is Wormwood. Wormwood is bitter. Very, very bitter. And it means also to have sorrow. Your bitterness through sorrow. Amos said it like this. True judgment would be like Wormwood. It would be like Wormwood. It will leave off righteousness in the earth. And you know, Wormwood is a bitter, bitter thing. And this star comes and he makes the water bitter. He makes the water. I've got a, a son-in-law that he, he got hepatitis from drinking water that had contamination in it. And he got sick from it. And he's still sick from it. Uh, what do you... Sewer water got in his water. Now I tell you how much of that goes on in this world. But oh my. And I let me you know how many view these things as God calling men to repentance, warning him of the final judgment. And it says here, many men died. Many men died of the waters because they were bitter. Let's show you something in that in Exodus 15. Now, you know, there's so many things in the Old Testament that that shows us these things. All this stuff can be found also in Ezekiel. But look in Exodus 15. Talking about this bitter water that men die from it. Exodus 15. Exodus 15. And I tell you, there's been lots and lots of people die from contaminated water. And they became, and this, this happens over and over and over. Over and over and over. You know, when, when I was in Vietnam, they'd have, you'd have water. It had worms in it. And you'd have to boil it. You'd have to boil it. Kill all the worms before you could drink it. And then if they brought a big water, what they call the water buffalo out, there's a big old tank that they set it down and had a great old big faucet on it. And you take your cans and you know your water cans and fill them up with that water. But if you was out anywhere else and had to get water, you're very, very careful. You you burnt, you boil that water. You didn't just drink it. That I remember Henry May had one time. We was going to uh, Cherokee. And we all stopped to eat by a creek. And Henry was watching this these people going down the creek, wading through the creek. And they got down there and they got on their hands and knees, started drinking out of that creek. He said, look at them. They just got through walking through that creek. And now they're drinking out of it. You know, he said, they don't know how many cattle's been up there or nothing. You know, oh, I tell you. But, I, you know, I've seen the time I'd almost drink out of a mud puddle. Well, I get thirsty, but what I'm telling you is that these things don't happen. All these things, they don't happen. God don't say, well, I'm going to cause all the waters on the earth. 
This happens over and over and over and over. And all these things happen from the first coming of Christ until He comes again. And then there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And this is going to be destroyed. But look what He said here in Exodus 15 verse 27. Oh, excuse me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. 29. Am I in the right place? No, look up here in verse 23. I got the wrong numbers down there. 22 through 25, yeah. Oh, yeah, down in verse 22. I was just looking at my numbers wrong. Look down in verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they were three days in the wilderness and found no water. But no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. That means bitter, bitterness. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Therefore there was a statute and ordinance, and there were the Lord's proof to you know what makes our waters sweet? He gives us some bitterness every once in a while. You know what makes our bitterness sweet? The cross. <laughs> yeah, that's what they had. He said he showed him a tree. Nobody else saw that tree but Moses. Nobody else sees the tree but the Lord's people. The Lord's people see the Lord Jesus Christ on the tree. Turns all of our bitterness. Turns it all away. Turns it all away. And I tell you, all these things happen over and over and over. And then look at the fourth trumpet. I'll try to hurry. I feel like I'm taking too long. And the fourth angel sounded. And the third, third part of the sun was smitten, the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. So we've had started the earth, started in the sea, started in the fountains, and started in the rivers, and now God's going to show you how He controls the heavens. And I tell you, He said, a third part of the sun. Do you know what it takes to make it too hot or too cold? God. God. Why is it so cold here in April? The Lord sent it. He turned the heat down on the sun. He can do that, you know. He can turn the heat down on, and then, then in July, August, he'll turn it way up there, and then we'll say, "Oh my goodness, man alive! I sure like I'd love to see a rain. I'd love to see it cool off." And that's all God's got to do: turn it up, turn it down. They say man's doing this. No, no, no. And I've been the third part of the moon. Oh, the moon, the moon. That moon is, uh, it don't, sometimes it gives us light, sometimes it comes out. They talk about blood moons and that, but here's stars. And I tell you what, that means the third part of the day and night. There's no light, there's no darkness. You know, God can. Cause it to, you know, if you ever been worked right in the middle of the day, it just gets so dark. You know, the clouds get so thick and it just get like it's dark. 
And then in the and then on the and, and you at night, you know, it'd just be almost like daylight because of the way the moon was shining. And so he can create the light and he that can create the darkness. He's the one that controls all those things. And you know, you see stars falling from heaven all the time. And God calls them to fall. And the scriptures tells us that even the heavens are against the enemies of God and his people. And do you have any idea of the effect of the sun, moon, and stars upon life? I mean, it's really, really, you can't, you can't overestimate it, the effect of the sun, the effect of the moon. Do you know the tides are controlled by the moon? The stars, they say if you're looking at a star, that thing was done already burned out. You're just looking at a star that the light just ain't went out yet. That's how slow tra- light travels so slow. Or well, two, what two hundred seventy-six thousand feet a minute? So that's, but you take it four million, ten million miles from Earth. It takes a long time to get here, don't it? But anyway, and when anything abnormal happens to the sun or the moon or the stars, people get they get troubled. But all these evils come upon the lost. The entire universe is controlled by our Lord Jesus Christ. And all of these things, like I've told you time and again, I'll tell you again, they don't happen at one time. How many times have we seen these happen in our lifetime? How many earthquakes? How many ships sunk? How many rivers polluted? How many stars fall? How, how hot is God? How cold is God? How dark is God? How light is God? You know, God said, you know, it got dark in Egypt one time. And it got so dark that they said they could feel the darkness. The darkness was felt. And you know what God did that night when the darkness was felt? That's when He went through the land of Egypt and killed the firstborn of everyone there. And you imagine the darkness that God sends upon the minds and understandings of people. That's the greatest darkness that you could possibly have. That's the, great, the, the darkness being in this world. Some night when it's so darkness that you can't see, that you can't put your, put your hand on your nose and you still can't see your hand. I'm telling you that, that, that that's not even dark compared to the darkness that God leaves people in. You got people that God's left in the darkness. You got a loved one that God's left in the darkness. And the light's shining, but they can't see it. They don't know it. They live in darkness. They love the darkness. They're like a bunch of bats. They can go to fly in the dark. And oh, God have mercy on them. Oh, that's the, that's the worst judgment God can put on a man is leave him in his darkness. We sung that song, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Let me out a throne of mercy. Let me there find a sweet relief. One thing we don't want in this world is for God to let us alone. Don't leave us to ourselves.
Well, what we do, you know, I try to make a little sense out of these things in Revelation, but I can't begin to describe how God deals with things in this world. But I'm grateful that He's the one doing it. That I'm not, I ain't got no control over it. I've got no control over it. And I'm grateful I ain't got no control. And that ain't going to make me mad if he, if he beats the roof off my house with a hailstorm. Ain't going to make me mad. Huh? Is it going to make you mad if he does that? <laughs> what if he makes it so cold you can't get on enough clothes? Is that going to make you mad? What if he makes it so hot that you can't get outside? What if he makes your water so sorry that you have to burn it and boil it before you can ever drink it? What if he dries up all your ponds, lets all your corn get about knee high? Because he makes it so hot, so dry. What if he does that? That's all right with me. That's still going to be bread on the shelf. <laughs> Ain't that right? Huh? Like, remember all these things that God sends. They're not for us. Not for believers. They're for the world. He's not. We don't have to be warned. He's done warned us. He's done told us. He's done brought us out of the darkness. He's done brought us to life. I don't need a tornado to tell me that God's in control. I don't need lightning to strike a tree in my front yard to let me know God's running this world. So if it if it happens, it just happens. But boy, when it happens to people, God uses those things to warn people. Warn them. And oh, may He wake up our family by warning them. Send a warning. Send a warning to your family. Send a warning to my family. Send a warning to your family. Send a warning to your loved ones. And then say, Lord, give them sense enough, eyes enough, to see what's happening. And seek you. Oh, Lord Jesus, our blessed, blessed Savior. Oh, you're our Savior. We sing, Savior, oh, Savior. Lord, they call Savior because you saved. We call you Savior because you saved us. We call you Savior because you continue to save us. We call you Savior because you will one day save us and take us all the way to glory. We'll be plumb saved. God bless these dear saints. Thank you for allowing us to meet here today. Thank you for allowing us to look at your word and Lord, I, I understand what the Apostle meant when he says, who is sufficient for these things? Who's sufficient for them? Lord, I know I'm not. But Lord, you can take things and make them understandable in spite of a stammering tongue. So Lord, God, bless it to our hearts, bless it to our understanding. Keep these dear saints as they go home Keep them in their beds. Give them a good night's rest. Let their bodies be watched over and cared for. When they wake up in the morning, O oh Lord, preserve them. When they go through the day tomorrow, God bless them. Lord, I 
know that if you don't keep us, we won't be kept. But Lord, we want to be kept. We really, 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 really want to be kept. So keep us for Christ's sake. Amen. 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 Turn your